0: hello everybody today we are going to be talking about something extremely interesting and intriguing at the same time many people talk about change many people talk about transformation but today we're going to be talking about how does transformation and change truly penetrate organizations yeah we're all hearing about different things and how change is very important and how COVID-19 has really catapulted all of us to look at things differently. The question here is, are we? So today, my guest is a gentleman who I've had the pleasure of knowing for many years. A gentleman who I admire, simply because he comes from a mindset that is all about change and transformation. He has actually worked in six continents. He's worked with governments and organizations. He also has something that I love about what it is that he does. He has actually created a hashtag called Time for Humanity. And that is the book that he's written. I'd like all of us to come together to welcome this amazing gentleman, Sami Al-Ashrafi welcome to the call sammy how are you doing today
1: very well thank you for having me jennifer and hi to all of your listeners
0: yeah so i believe that you are a change maker and a visionary i'd like you to share with our audiences what is it that you were doing before you became an entrepreneur I know that you've worked in different companies. I've had the pleasure of meeting you during that time, but what actually were you doing before you actually became an entrepreneur? Would you like to share that with us?
1: Sure, well, I met you, Jennifer, 10 years ago, can you believe it? But my journey goes back to probably around the age of 13 and 14. Mm -hmm. So I promise I won't do a full life history, but I remember being a kid that felt different to others. As they were playing football or playing computer games. I lay on a beach in Abu Dhabi looking out at the night sky asking how can infinity exist or who created this beautiful world that we call, our, call home. And so I went on to study classical civilizations, mythology, eastern traditions, languages and I ended up reading philosophy and theology at university specializing in ethics and I decided I needed a little break so I took a one-year contract working for Walt Disney World and it was at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando where my passion for values culture and bringing humanity at work were awoken so I've had quite a varied career I gave up a career in diplomatic service in order to follow my bliss which was flying and one of my core values is freedom so I couldn't contemplate a career being cooped up in a cockpit. So I became cabin crew instead. And I traveled the world, which brought me to Dubai. And at the end of my career with a major international airline in the UAE was when I was preparing for my next role with a government.
0: And that's when I met you. It mm-hmm. was wonderful. It was really nice. And, and all of these things that you have just now talked about, is what it is that we as individuals truly look at becoming as part of our new roles that we're going to step into. So I'm quite sure in the time that you were looking at the work that you were doing, you always knew that there was something better out there for you. But you always gave 100% of what you could actually deliver at that particular time to any organization you were associated with.
1: I feel very lucky, but I started my career in service. I was taught mm. how to bow to certain nationalities, mm. to kneel on the floor, to maintain mm. eye contact with passengers. Yes. I was always of the view, it's be the best you possibly can at whatever you do. And instead of sometimes being inclined to gossip mm. in what they call the galleys on board, mm. I used to go out into the cabin often first class because I would find people in first class always had a story mm. and I would ask them starting at the front of a plane and working my way down mm. just what's your story because I wanted to learn give everything to whatever I was doing and I found that that allowed me to rise to the top which gave me the next emergent opportunity which didn't always enjoy, but I gave everything and I took as many learnings as I could before then grasping the next opportunity. And so it's been inverted commas, a series of accidents, but I I would suggest you and I, Jennifer, and many of your listeners, we perhaps don't believe in accidents.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's true. Absolutely true. Right. So moving forward, uh, Sammy, where did you see that there was this turning point because I truly believe our listeners would love to hear what made you turn, change, refocus into who you are today as a CEO of Mm. Marmalade Fish. And now you have already shifted and changed. So I truly believe one of the things, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the way that you have actually been doing things and being showing up in your own business is that you truly are a believer, and this is what it is that my mantra is, that change is constant, but changing is a personal choice that truly needs to get out as a voice. I truly believe that you are that walking testimony right now.
1: What a beautiful thing to say, thank you. I, I never considered myself to be an entrepreneur. As I went about my awakening, I started to realize Jennifer that I was subject to invisible power structures and dynamics that were eventually going to limit Sammy's potential and to Mm -hmm. stop me from living my purpose. Even though back then I wasn't exactly clear on what my purpose was. I mentioned earlier, I knew what my bliss was. Mm -hmm. I knew what lit me up. And so, I mean, have you ever worked for a company that rewards fitting in over being extraordinary? Because that was my experience.
0: Yes, I, I, felt that, I you're right, yeah. because I had, and after some time, I actually became totally aware of what was going on. But I didn't ruffle anyone's feathers, but I maintained what it is that was right for the organization, because my values were very, very strong about what can I be and do differently that will really enhance an organization. It was not about me. It was not about anyone else. It was the organization, but then it was value driven mm. and it actually met, which is what it is we'll be talking a little later. Yeah. So come to your, your transformation and your yeah, well, change.
1: It was over time that I found myself going towards the edge of the periphery to be able to affect change from that space mm-hmm. so that I looked and sounded like other people in corporates but I recognized that I was eventually stepping away into a role that would allow me to serve, as you said, in the intro governments and companies around the world Mm -hmm. to create those high performance cultures underpinned by values. So I love in the work I do with leaders, I often say, please don't give up because we need pillars and beacons of light in companies. I would say it only takes one and please be that one who stays and helps change from the inside out but for sammy my journey is going to be helping you and then serving the rest of humanity outside of companies
0: which is which is a really cool thing to do i do it in a little different way i love to work with organizations and help them to shift and change individual by individual so yes it's it's, pretty, it's really cool because when each and every one of us can step up into our own potency is when true change gets affected. And we all have a
1: role to play.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I'd gone for the first few years of setting up Marmalade Fish, I was speaking around the world about culture change mm. and using words like transformation. Mm-hmm. And it was a few years later I had a realization, it doesn't exist. The mm-hmm. only thing that exists is to borrow your language, individual by individual. And that's how you shift the norms, environment, and eventually the culture
0: yeah my next question i mean uh, this book of yours is absolutely phenomenal so thank you for really sharing that with us and it really requires someone who has a vision to actually shake up and wake up humanity within the workforce (laughs) i think it is brilliantly uh, written and i love the stories that you have shared um you talk about values being the underpinning uh, situation of true transformation and change. I have this question for you. Um, so we talk about high performance and culture that underpin, but that are underpinned by values. My question to you, because I can actually sense the audience saying, hmm, "Whose values are they? Your values, the mm-hmm. boss's values, the team's values, and how do we actually come into that?" So if you'd like to share your insight on that, that would be brilliant.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think society is profoundly unimpressed by endless corporate claims that mm-hmm. uphold certain values and mission statements that are blatantly hypocritical. It's as if values are mere words without any actual connotations. Yeah. Yeah. I see business is all about people. Then the question becomes, how is it for good people let bad things happen? And what I suggest in the book is business has gone astray and it's lost touch with humanity Mm -hmm. by putting certain things above others. So for example, Mm -hmm. profit before principles or value before values. And it's as if the pendulum has swung too far in one direction. Mm -hmm. And I think if the business of business is people, then it's almost as though we've temporarily checked out our humanity. Every time we used to swipe our access cards to enter work, And it's as though we regain human agency when we leave the building Mm -hmm. and we become us again with our friends and families and in our communities. So business is a legal document signed by some very important people, but it's a construct that we have created. Values of a company, they don't exist. It's the values of the people who show up or who are serviced by that company. And so in the book, I'm trying to suggest if we can reconnect with our own humanity, then we will be able to turn, if you like, the head of business so that it becomes reconnected back to the employees and customers and the communities it serves.
0: Truly well spoken. I couldn't agree with you more because I truly believe that it's I asked this question of many CEOs and companies over here. And I say, so who is running your business? Mm -hmm. And they say, of course, the people. And then I ask, right. So have you ever wondered how your people are showing up? And the media response is, well, they're not happy and they're not performing well. And then I say, so did we find out what the reasons are that that could be occurring? Mm -hmm. What is going on? And it is. It is interesting to see that many of us as business owners and company starters do not even consider that, that our people are the most valuable asset. So how are they showing up? And if they can actually show up the way that you think they should show up, then that's something that you really have to address again, because it's not necessary what you think is the only way. The other thing, since I've been in recruitment uh, for many years, of course, I don't do it now. It was always about if you have chosen people to come and work with you, not for you, a very uh, slight distinction there, then the level of the performance of the organization will not be with people who are saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full, sir. But you're appointing people who can contribute to your vision and mission which is so
1: essential. That's why I see leaders as coaches or leaders as facilitators. And okay. the image that comes to my mind is we are all trying to achieve various results in our business. And if you like, that is the destination point. It's the input that you've put into Google maps or Waze or Bing maps, the leader. Are you in front of your people? Are you looking backwards occasionally or sometimes dragging them? Or are you behind your people constantly watching what they're doing and maybe pushing them forwards against their will? Or are you making a conscious choice to stand next to people and be a guide along the journey? Because as I said earlier, we're all good people and we're all just doing the best that we can from our current level of consciousness. Nobody means to be bad. Nobody means to be an underperformer. So where there is a disconnection, I think it's important to remember all connection starts with self. And if I'm connected to myself from that space, I can then connect with my team and then we can connect with the vision, mission, values of the company.
0: Truly, truly well-spoken. Um, I do something called the engagement model. And unless you don't engage with you, how would you be able to engage with anyone else? That is the something that that's my next question to you is... Uh, we all have uh, organizations, and we have people in organizations. But, and we we tend to to tell companies that yes, there has to be change, and there's got to be transformation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's so many companies that are doing training to make that happen. You know, let me take your people, and let me do this training so they can become that. But the question here is, that's all well and good, but are the people choosing to be trained? What are the people doing individually to really outperform what it is they've created as a a space to conform instead of asking questions that are being party to the change? Do you have any insights on that? How many organizations have people who truly are being forced to do training and yet are not inclined to do it? And they're just doing it because they have to. So how can we shift the have to, Sammy, into choosing to?
1: It's such a beautiful question because I sense the common thread that runs through training and learning methodologies is that focus on learning by reflecting on experiences of the past. (laughs) And yet when we're working with leadership teams, the client could be in business, government, civil society, What we're hearing is leaders facing new challenges that require them to reflect on the past, but also to sense and actualize emerging future opportunities. And I feel that the shift is, the question becomes, how do we then create a new methodology that enables humanity to scribe a future as it lies embedded within the present and use those resulting insights to guide our decisions And I don't believe that that can happen in a four hour Zoom or a one or two day face-to-face learning, maybe once or twice a year when the coronavirus social distancing eases off. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to require us to escape this loop that we find ourselves stuck in where we are continually creating old patterns. And I guess every change platform or change model says, step one, create the urgency for change. And my sense is 2020 has made all of us conscious to this urgency that we could do something different. We have an opportunity to. You know, the essence of leadership has always been about sensing and actualizing the future. It's even in the origin of the word. Mm. The Indo-European root of the English word leadership is leaf, which Mm. means to go forth and yes. cross, a, cross a threshold that's different from the past.
0: Totally. Because you, you the, I think uh, 2020, and especially this coronavirus, has, has been a blessing in disguise. That's what, how I perceive it uh, and sense it. it. It's been a wake-up and a shake-up call for all of us to step out of status quo, to truly step into what it is that we are here to truly be as a pro. Because there's, there's, there is so much that we have not yet uh, thought of, try to actualize, try to change within ourselves. And I think this has been um, a brilliant uh, opportunity for us to, to reflect where it is we're operating from, what is our operating system individually. Because when we come into individuality, that's where true transformation can, can actually come into effect. Because then what you do personally is what it is that's affecting everyone else around you. But I don't think we have actually gone into going on the inside. We keep operating from the outside to try and figure out how we can be conforming to perform, to be accepted. Um, And then we go into this thing that we're having a disparity within ourselves, but it's a conflict that's going on, which is reflecting in everything. Because I truly believe that our first language, Sami, is energy. It cannot be seen, it cannot be tasted, touched, or whatever, but it truly is the forerunner of anything that we actually get in touch with. What are your views on that?
1: Oh. <laughs> well, you're speaking to a Reiki master, so on one level, my views are, I love that we speak that language.
0: And okay. on another
1: level, when I was doing my brainwave training mm. in Bavaria, I would be sent into a chamber for 12 or 15 hours a day,
0: mm-hmm. and it
1: was lightproof and soundproof, and it was just SAMI mm-hmm. and my brainwave patterns being measured. As I dipped in and out of different states of awareness, mm-hmm. I began to realize how long it takes me to land into a space where. I can then do my introspection
0: your and the beautiful delta, your delta space is it My Delta space is my
1: favorite, <laughs> but the training starts with try not to achieve alpha, theta, or beta. Mm-hmm. so try to if you like, try to not be in those beautiful brainwave states, and then from that space you realize. That you spend a lot of time in them because you're getting constant feedback from the tones mm-hmm. that are reading, mm-hmm. the EEGs. And then after you've learned how not to, then you get trained in how to access them. And that introspection and that inner work is, I think, step one in order to realise that we are all connected in humanity. But it starts with doing the work on me first
0: exactly. before I
1: go into the we.
0: Exactly. That's, that's true. And funny that you say that you're a Reiki master. Um, I'm one too. Um, so I've, I've done Reiki mastery. I'm a Theta healer, practitioner and teacher. And I'm an access consciousness uh, facilitator as well. So it's been quite a journey of l- truly getting to know who I am, because unless we do not know who we are, We can't actually say that we can transform or change or help people to change in any aspect. We've got to know who we are. So I think uh, you answered my question brilliantly as to, is it only the responsibility of an organization to truly help people to change and transform? Or is it our personal responsibility? And not only responsibility, but. The being curious to know who you really are and what impact you can create by really tapping into your own brilliance, because truly that is what makes the difference.
1: Absolutely. Well, I can only let go of who I am or my ego if I know who I am. So I guess it's Eckhart Tolle who says, the awakening of consciousness is the next evolutionary step for mankind. And I think that there's going to be so much more awareness and more conversations about this energy work. And now that you say you're a Reiki master, that's fascinating because you reached out to me having just picked up on the energy of the book.
0: Yes, How was that happened? happened? <laughs> that, that's amazing because I saw this, the book your book and I said, wow, now let me just connect to it. And as I connected to it, I, I could actually see you working through it and what it is. And I said, okay, fine, that's cool. I can see it, but I think it's time that other people see it too. And that's why we're on this podcast because I truly really wanted, and I hadn't even read your book, but the, the book was calling to be heard. And that's, that's why I said, uh, I, I think it's time that Sammy, uh, spoke about his book. So let's talk about this amazing time for humanity. Tell us about your book. Tell us about the journey. What took you there? How did you actually come into saying, okay, it's time now to write a book?
1: It's been an incredible journey since I did a TED Talk in 2019. And the title I heard of, that.
0: That was phenomenal. Why Brilliant. Business
1: Needs Our Humanity.
0: And many
1: years ago, when Marmalade Fish started work, we brought in the organizational culture word, which was so misunderstood. And the word humanity was created, or co-created, I should say, with my curator at TED, Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: we were trying to work out what exactly are values, cultures, ethical breaches, lack of connection. What is that? And we decided that is humanity. And so when the Ted talk went out, the usage of a word now, it's beautiful, it's come into the lexicon of so many leaders. And I was contacted by people all around the world who were sharing their stories. And I was deeply moved because some were of hope, speaking of organizations that actually do live and breathe ethical excellence, Mm. but others were of how humanity had been stripped in toxic work cultures and the impact it had on their lives. So I held those words close, Jennifer, and I progressed my own work. And I was fortunate during that time to meet more incredible souls who started to ignite this deep sense of collective calling with me. And that's why we created the hashtag Time for Humanity, which is not a movement, but rather a growing community of people who are willing to step in and be supported in that change. Who are willing to ask the big and important questions and retain our love of the finer things our humaneness and find better ways of working and being so when the lockdown happened in 2020 i traveled last year 295 days of the year would you believe and i decided then th- this is the time so not just time for humanity it was time to write time for humanity the book wonderful
0: Great. So now um, I've I've seen the contents of your, of your book. I've gone through most of it, but I'd love the the first part that you talk about the unconscious part, past uh, the value of values. I think we've touched on that. How does it actually help cultures to shift Sammy?
1: When, organizations realize that change like an organism it can come from anywhere and doesn't need to be driven centrally and directors from the top really do need to live and breathe that values transformation or that change journey for people so it doesn't have to come from the top but the people at the top need to really be walking the talk for this change to stick because as we said earlier change isn't easy and not everybody leans into it naturally when organizations live their values it sparks some magic in our humanity and in many ways I was very fortunate that I needed that gap here. I'd burnt out where I worked at Disney because I take the point But your listeners might be thinking, well, my company's nothing like Disney, you know, there's no Mickey Mouses or Baloo. But what Disney did incredibly was at the age of 18, 19, said to me, We're here to create magic. And we have some Disney values, which are going to be useful guides for you on your adventure to creating magical moments for our guests every single day. And I remember. My boss, he used to say in the morning briefings before we would go, inverted commas, on show because he used Disney's language. And he would say, it's not rocket science. Go and create magic. And I remember in one of my early sessions, I said, how? He said, however you like, bring Sammy. That's And just to share one very small example, I had agreed to do a double shift, which was quite grueling. I was walking through the Epcot theme park on my way to the bus to go back to the commons where we lived. And I saw a gentleman taking a photograph of a family. The values which I shared with the company were so ingrained that it seemed like it was a subconscious, and unconscious act. And that's the power of values when it becomes embedded. We use sentences like, in your DNA, because you don't even notice that you're doing things. You don't do it for an outcome. So I said to this gentleman, oh, who I might otherwise have ignored, Mm -hmm. "Um, would you allow me to take a photograph for you? And he looked at my costume (laughs) which is Disney's language, Uh, Shakespearean with tights. I I shan't say anymore. And uh, he said, yeah, I trust you. So here's the camera. I took a photograph and several months later, I got a letter to say I had changed somebody's life. And at first I couldn't recall it. But as I went on to read, my heart sank because it turns out the gentleman who was taking the photograph, he died in a car accident the following week. And this was the only photograph that they ever had as a whole family. Wow. And I share that example because values are the beautiful, small things that happen every day. We have people, whoever I meet, I give them little um, gems, little bracelets. And it just says, thank you for bringing your humanity hashtag time for humanity and we keep them in our purses briefcase wallets cars and every time we drive around or we travel and we see somebody bring their humanity we just give one it was a gentleman the other day helping somebody who didn't speak english to use the atm in the mall and i thought i just want to honor his values or you know the marina in dubai is Mm -hmm. quite fancy with tall buildings and people look wow and I saw a gentleman lying on the floor and underneath some building construction material feeding oh the street cats. And I just, you know, there you go. And the, it's just ways for, uh, this is how we change the world where we express our humanity and in companies, when we express it, it's more likely that we will feel it. It becomes unconscious and that's how we're going to create this conscious or enlightened shift.
0: That is brilliantly said. Really cool. I actually read that amazing story about you. And it's funny that you should mention that, but you're very, very correct when you say that when we actually operate from the values that have been brought to us, that we live by, it actually becomes something that is so natural and it comes to us naturally. So it's not that something that has to be you know forced into us. Because if it's being forced, then it is not who you are truly being. I think if we can truly choose to be who we really are and really get to know who we really are, is where the change and transformation truly will facilitate the change that we would like to see in the world as a community and as a planet. Because I think this is the, the most appropriate time for all of us to reflect into who we have always been and how it is that we can actually transform to perform at the best levels possible. So now the next section that you have in your book and I'm, and I'm going to actually spend time with your book because I find it fascinating. Is that okay with you to spend some more time with us? I would love that. (laughs) Okay, cool. So now the other section of your book, which I found really valuable, And also on your website, because we're going to be sharing everything uh, that, that is in there. What do you think are the different challenges that organizations are facing right now? And how do you suggest that senior leadership and the people as well are brought into this? How can we amalgamate this amazing, engaging connection with people?
1: I think that part two that speaks about the awakening present gives this sense that something still indistinct is being born, mm-hmm. and the unconscious ways that we've been living have our choices have come home to roost, so we're talking about raising consciousness. And the question then becomes, how do leaders? start to step into that because changing cultures is not something that can be done overnight definitely not (laughs) there's
0: too much resistance to it anyway right now Uh,
1: absolutely and i often say that culture change it's like an immunity in a in a body Mm -hmm. you might find that the body is trying to reject for change because it is used to operating in a certain way exactly what i will say to leaders is We can choose to come together and make this change in the awakening present, consciously. Or we can decide to stay willfully blind and wait a bit longer because new generations are coming into the workforce. And it's not long now until we have six generations alongside artificial intelligence. We need to think about how to become more relevant. It reminds me of what you were saying before about the opportunity to shift or evolve training programs so i always say there's will and skill mm. if you want to inspire will that's humanity and if you want to grow skill capabilities competence that's aligned to your industry and the outcomes that you would like then there's an opportunity to do it reflecting on the past and sensing more from the actualizing future because all human beings are consumers, and consumer behavior is changing. Whether you're B2B or B2C, eventually we serve people.
0: Exactly. And
1: I'm noticing in recent studies, you know, they say up to 66% of consumers are now ready to pay more for a good that comes from a responsible company. And as much as 94% of Generation Z believe that companies should help to solve societal and environmental issues. So much so that it's almost as though people are using their wallet to become involved in CSR. What an incredible opportunity that provides for business. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that we are not as connected as we used to be because of the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. but I would love leaders to press pause. And when we become more quiet and more observant, less reactive. And I know that this is a challenge because the world out there is changing super quickly. Mm -hmm. But we will be able to find the gift that's buried in the problem that we have in our business now. And as our awareness expands, we'll be able to see those hidden possibilities in whatever challenge we're facing, personally or for our companies.
0: That is brilliantly said. And yes, I am a true believer that Whenever we are faced with any challenge, there is the universe conspiring and actually nudging us to budge because with every challenge, there's this hidden gift of a different possibility of how you can approach situations, be it personal or professional, to be able to come out on the other side as a winner because the universe has our back.
1: Oh, it absolutely does. (laughs) I say in the book, I speak quite vulnerably about some of the challenges that I've had in my life. And I recognize that we all have a story. We all have challenges. But I sense that the seeds for our transformation lie in seeing our reality more clearly, without preconceptions and judgments. And then when we learn to see our essential part in humanity, We begin to develop, as you say, Jennifer, a different relationship with our problems. We're no longer victims. We become open to what might be possible and are inevitably led to this question, who do we consciously choose to be and what is it that we want to co-create? Wonderful.
0: The the thing that I'd like to ask more about is the word vulnerability. Vulnerability how do you perceive the word vulnerability? Because I have my own way of looking at vulnerability. And I think the general consensus of the word vulnerability is actually being a doormat and being walked all over and being this pathetic person. But what's your perception and how powerful can vulnerability truly be for an individual and as a result for the organization?
1: Mm, What a powerful question. I guess when I left the corporate system, I felt very vulnerable the next day. It was as if the company had dimmed my vulnerability, which Mm -hmm. I will go on to explain, I think is part of my humanity. Mm -hmm. So after I'd taken off my layers, which Mm -hmm. was a fancy suit, a tie, Mm -hmm. cufflinks, fancy shoes, didn't have a car to get into, Mm -hmm. and I found myself not having 50 people asking how I am, Mm -hmm. Um, I'd already started my awakening by then but I hadn't realized up until that point I knew what I was, but I had absolutely no idea who I was. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, vulnerability is so inextricably linked with humanity because it's about me choosing to share who I am and what's important to me without the, I want to say without the fear but I hesitated because I recognize that that fear is real in
0: corporate systems. So, Sammy, uh, before you go on, I'd like to actually add to that. So it is not about you fearing you and your capacity to expand and grow and be different. But how aware were you and how psychic are you to be able to tap into what other people will perceive of you? And that was coming in as a strong judgment of what is he trying to do? Who is he trying to be? He was in corporate. What is he trying to do? Because that there is an ability that most of us have, but never ever acknowledge that all of us are truly psychic and can become totally aware of the judgments that other people will have of us, and then we think that we are wrong, and then we stop.
1: Mm. What a beautiful insight. Though we don't look or act the same, at our core, most of us want the exact same thing, to be treated with dignity, and given the opportunity to express our unique self, which is each character trait, and therefore bring our genius to the world.
0: And I think that that is so aptly put over here because quite honestly, each one of us is unique unto ourselves. And that would be the, the catalyzing effect that if people truly recognize their own uniqueness and their own potency, which is what it is that I help people to accomplish and to do for themselves, because they, they know everything already. It's just that we've got to help them to awaken that as a possibility for them to walk through. But this is the thing that actually occurs that when we actually step into that area of truly choosing to become more of who we are without an apology, Mm. it is then only that this level of competition that we have rampant actually will transform into collaboration. When each one of us can stand in our power, in our potency, whether we are employed in a company or otherwise, We will be the leaders of what it is that we are taking charge of. Be it an office boy, be it uh, anything. I remember a story about my office boy. We were going to, uh, we were sponsoring a special needs event. And uh, all of us were into this corporate thing, you know, like, okay, how are we going to transform? What are we going to do? What uh, signage should we have? What stage should we have? And we were all on the corporate binge as to how do we have to show up for other people to recognize us. Yeah. And this guy came in and he had gone out for some errands and he came back and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, Bumi. I didn't ask you. What is it that you think? We have done all of this. Is there anything else that you would like to add to it? And he comes and he says to me, ma'am, this is an event for children, right? I said, yeah, it is. So he asked me very, very... You know, shyishly, ma'am, do we have any games for these children? And I said, oh Mm -hmm. my God, this is a special needs event. There are going to be kids there. We haven't even thought about the kids. And that's the time that we drove away. We went to Dragon Mart and we bought all these amazing kites and had our branding put on it immediately. And they all were the greatest hit. But if I, as a CEO, did not engage with somebody else, to find out what they thought, because everyone is a contribution. And it requires us to actually, as leaders, as CEOs, as business owners, and as team players, to actually ask questions as to what other people think, because every one of us has got the capacity to create beyond.
1: Absolutely, I love that story, because it's another real example of how we can cover off a complex leadership term that we use, cultural blind spots. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: you know It's like driving Sheikh Zayed Road, as you know, in Dubai, is mm-hmm. seven-lane highway. And when I was driving down recently, I went to change lane, quickly glanced in my wink mirror. Didn't look properly, it turns out, because as I went to change the lane, I nearly hit a motorcyclist and I swerved back into my original lane. And it reminded me around the power of tapping into different perspectives to pressing pause and turning my head metaphorically properly to see what else is always there, but not always apparent. And that's the beauty of 7.8 billion of us with different beliefs and perspectives and opinions, which I say by nature are all partially right and partially wrong, just varying by degree, if you like. Mm. And so if we're able to hold our opinions less tightly and to tap into different perspectives, we'll cover off our blind spots. And then I think the pendulum that we spoke about earlier, Mm. it will start to come back to a more healthy place.
0: Very true. Very true. And then we have the awakened future. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, the awakened future is where the book layers up from the experience of work to some of the present constructs around progress that isn't or ethical consumerism, our home Mm. in the second part, Mm. the awakening present. And then part three, as you say, the awakened future is really turning the lens back onto ourselves and exploring ego, my brainwave journey, looking at the power of finding purpose, slowing down in order to create space and going into levels three and four, deep listening to be able to sense what's emerging, the actualizing future. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that we move from doing the work on I to the realization that humanity is not singular, it's plural, and this belief around energy. If you shift your energy, this is so challenging for some people to understand, but we are all connected. Uh, <laughs> you shift your energy, then the energy of the whole world will shift too. And I end with, you know, this is the moment for humanity to reclaim its power and raise its vibration. And the last words of a book, it's time for humanity.
0: Totally. And we're all connected to one another and we're connected to the universe and we're all on a molecular level anyway, connected. So um, I'd like to just say one thing uh, over here is that what if everything that was thought or felt or emoted was just an interesting point of view? And what Mm. if we did not have to be victimized by any point of view, starting with our own, that we could truly shift and change and transform and then help to inform other people of the possibility of that occurring for them too. That's the kind of body of work that I do. And I'm so glad that people like you are actually doing it too. And I do it in a different way, but that's the brilliance of it. See, so it, it's about different strokes for different folks. How do Absolutely. people receive it? How do people perceive it? How do people get to know it And most importantly, how do people choose to be it?
1: And it reminds me of what you were saying before about escaping the societal construct that we need to compete against ourselves and other people. And that we think about winners and losers in an unhelpful way, rather than winning at life. And when we start to realize that no brick in a wall is better because it's higher or lower, we're all bricks that are building something together. Then this mosaic of ideas starts to come together. And for me, I'm now seeing color. And I often think of humanity as color. Mm. And yeah, I, I think what a, beautiful,
0: what a beautiful image that you've left me with. It's really wonderful. And now as, as you pose the question to everybody, are we ready to evolve our business? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 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 and then after all of this uh, amazing insights that uh, Sammy you have shared um, we are going to be sharing all your social links where people will be able to connect with you and find out more about this remarkable book and ladies and gentlemen if you haven't actually had the opportunity of reading this book I think it's time that we actually did because there are amazing insights how it is that we can actually weave into our business, weave into our life, weave into our relationships with the way that we can move forward. Because quite honestly, the way that I look at it, that when you're at work or when you're at home, you're not a different person. So instead of separating you from you, it's time to come come together to consolidate the brilliance of you. Because that's the way that I look at people. We all are different and yet unique and yet connected too. I mean, how amazing is that? So should we be looking at how it is that we are different and yet can connect? Because that will create something totally phenomenal. What do you have to say about that, Sammy?
1: Oh, well, it brings me back to that mosaic or that art <laughs> piece of you need to have that difference or If you orchestrate music, let's play every single note there is. Let's not stay just in a natural sea, but let's go to the sharps as well to create something that's so beautiful, where, as I said earlier, we're all different, but part of humanity, we're all seeking dignity and the respect and the opportunity to
0: show up with our unique traits and characteristics which is truly, which is what is required. We all like different. uh, And I think that's what makes us totally unique unto ourselves. And that uniqueness is to be shared with everyone uh, without forcing anyone to be anything that they don't want to be. Yeah. So now we have this thing about, uh, I'm going to ask you three things, Sammy, that I'd like you to share with our audience about how companies and organizations, if you can leave us with three of your amazing golden nuggets and words of wisdom. So we can try. Wow wow, as in words of wisdom. um, How can organizations truly choose to look at how they are operating from a different space that will relate to them becoming more working together to make an impact of what their business is, how people are showing up in their business and how their clients can actually receive that amazing embodiment of who they are, where everyone is showing up as an ambassador of the organization and thus have this unified approach to truly be of the best of service to any client that comes into their vicinity.
1: My sense is that we gravitate in business to the externalities and we will look at competencies and vision and strategy, business processes, outcome structures, restructures, and that all important things, particularly that we've created a platform for revisiting a lot of those things because of what's happened this year. Yeah. Where I think the opportunity is for leaders is to go metaphorically underneath the waterline, the stuff that we perhaps feel less comfortable because it's intangible, or because we have separated the person at home from the person at work. And that is, what are the what's the psyche, the energy in the system? What are the collective norms spoken or unspoken? How do you see the silent agreements playing out every day at work, the relationships, the spiritual stuff? If you're able to go underneath a waterline, then as leaders of organization, you will be able to examine what are the hidden and unspoken beliefs which are producing certain actions and getting you certain results. And if you want to shift beliefs, then we have to provide new experiences. So hopefully this podcast has given people in the book some opportunity to reflect on what those new immersive experiences can be, which will inform new beliefs, which will get more sustainable actions that are going to deliver sustainable results that you want, that are aligned to your outcomes.
0: Brilliantly said, thank you so much, Sammy. Uh, for sharing that. And the way that uh, I think everyone should be looking at it or can choose actually to look at it is like our thoughts, our feelings and our emotions are the experiences that we actually go through. But one of the things that is the true operating system is the energy and our levels of consciousness can actually shift and change that. So, Having said that, Sammy, I would love to say thank you for taking the time and the and to share your brilliance. Um, I truly think that that is what is going to make a difference. And thank you, everyone, for showing up and who's going to be listening to this podcast. I truly believe that people like Sammy are the people who are the change makers, the catalysts, and as I call myself, the Maverick. I have just met and actually known this maverick for a very long time. So Sammy, thank you so much for spending time with us. And I think uh, more than anything else, I've enjoyed the whole podcast.
1: <laughs> I'm so honored. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being so open and doing your work that you were able to pick up on the frequency of a book. And that's led us to this beautiful point. And, Thank you to your listeners, the people who are out there every day doing the good work, being curious, being open to a possibility of something different, because I draw my inspiration from the actions that you and your listeners do every day to create purposeful change for yourselves and relationships, organizations and societies at large. So I just want to honor the listeners as well. Thank you for being open to this conversation.
0: It is brilliant to have you and I'm quite sure um, it's not only listening to it but it's truly going to help everyone to try and look and tap into what inspired action that they can come into and what else is possible and how does it get any better than this? This is what it is that I keep asking all the time. It's uh... something that is <laughs> awesome with what it is that I have been able to choose and learn and change in my life. And I think change is constant, but changing is a personal choice that actually needs to have a voice. So thank you for honoring us to help us to share that amazing voice of yours uh, to be the catalyst of change that you're being. Truly honored to have you, Sammy. Thank you so much. My great pleasure. Thank you. Take care.